I worked my ass off as a woman in a chef career and literally walked away. You're outnumbered. You're outnumbered. They're threatened by what makes us unique. I see it everywhere. You're outnumbered. You're outnumbered. Now is the time for action. I see it everywhere. You're outnumbered. You're outnumbered. We're too busy fighting each other. I see it everywhere. You're outnumbered. You're outnumbered. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome to the greatest show on earth. I mean, the greatest show in entertainment. Um, I can actually use that line. It's from the Little Rascals. I can use it now because technically, Hal Roach is dead, and basically every rascal is dead. No one is really allowed to sue me. So, welcome to the greatest show. I am Ashley Sanders, of course, and you are on the episode two of the Who's This Revamp, the podcast, the hostess with the most, just the person who will guide you through the sea of life by meeting a bunch of different people and subsequently teaching you lessons that you were already probably knew but were too dumb to figure out yourself. I'm just kidding. But for real, today, we have a woman who is spectacular. She has been through hell, literally like all nine layers of hell and back. She's not only resilient and smart, but she's also brave and tenacious while still managing to be a mother and grow a business. And she is hailing all the way from the beautiful city of Holland, Michigan, which I don't think actually exists, but we'll just let her enjoy her delusions. Her name is Miss Carrie Ann Walters. Carrie, how are you? I am well, my dear. How are you? Wonderful. I'm wonderful. It's always a good day if the sun is shining, and I live in Florida, so every day is a good day, just about. Except for at 3.30 on the nose when it starts raining, raining right? Raining every time. Yeah. <laughs> But that's like a short little like it's like a metaphor for life. Like a majority of the time life is great. But then those storm clouds hit and you just gotta wait out the storm. When I lived in Florida, I always thought it was hilarious that all the postcards showed the really beautiful, bright, sunny days. But realistically it was yeah. <laughs> sometimes raining on one side of the street and not on the other. Like oh sometimes it rains in the front yard and not the backyard. <laughs> not in the backyard. Yeah. Yeah. People think that shit does not really happen. It does. It happens it all the It happens in fucking Florida. Every day. I mean, like, <laughs> literally, I'm not kidding. Every day. I know. Happens. You can set your watch by it, for sure. And I love it. I do, but I do love the Sunshine State. It is my favorite place to be at all times. Um, because every other state is just kind of weird in the way it's set up. Florida is very consistent, and I like consistency. So I love it. I love it. I love Michigan. I've really enjoyed life up here since we moved. Uh, it's been almost five years. Um, and we left Jacksonville, Florida and moved to Holland, Michigan, which is a fucking real place. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> we have the Tulip Time Festival every year here, and it's the craziest shit you've ever seen. Swear to God. It was like two years of culture shock because I thought I lived in a place that was really conservative when I moved here. And oh, how I was mistaken. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. It's amazing here. It's like its own little bubble of weird. And you can drive 45 minutes away and go to Grand Rapids, which is one of the coolest up-and-coming cities. Like, the average age is 35 in Grand Rapids. Um, and then you come out to Holland, and there's literally a church. There's two churches at the end of my neighborhood right across the street from each other. That's people get married there a lot, a lot, a lot. There's a lot of weddings that happen in Grand Rapids. I'm not sure why I know that, but I do know that a lot of weddings this year in America in general have taken place. It's a destination wedding place. Um, 
fun fact about Grand Rapids. So, where are you from? Like, how did your life begin? How did you go from pooping in a diaper to tenacious, cool woman that you are today? Well, um, my story actually began just across Lake Michigan from here, incidentally. Um, My father has been in the Navy my entire life, um, 31 years active duty. So I was born in Great Lakes, Michigan, or Great Lakes, Illinois, uh, just, just across Lake Michigan here. And we did the active duty Navy life thing for the majority of my childhood. Um, we lived in San Diego, we lived in Tallahassee, we lived in Charleston, um, and traveled a shit ton between while my dad was getting his nuclear degree. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> so that, yeah, <laughs> that kind of got us around a little bit. Um, and then my parents had a very dramatic divorce when I was 12. Mm-hmm. My daughter's wandering around talking to herself, but she expects me to look at her while she does it. Oh, okay, baby. <laughs> um, I, attention. The world's right. Don't. Um, Princess Ella, she's, she's intense, to say the least. Is your daughter um, Cinderella? No, her name is Ella. Oh. Yeah, we call her lots of things that have to do with Ella. Um, yeah, so bumped around. I was a Navy kid for a while. Um, I went to shit tons of different schools all through elementary school. Um, which was like in reflection, I hated it when I was in it. Um, but it caused my brother and I to be extraordinarily close right. because the only thing that leaves with you when you PCS, when you military move is the shit that's in your house and your family members and that's it. So, uh, yeah, so we did that for a hot minute and then ended up in Kings Bay, Georgia. Uh, where my parents got divorced, and then my mom, my brother, and I moved to Jacksonville, Florida, Um, and that was right before I started middle school. Um, My mom met my stepdad, who is probably my favorite human being in the world. Um, He passed, yeah, he passed away four years ago, actually, right after we moved to Michigan, but he gave me a level of security and grounding that I had never had in my life. Right like, on. I went from being a Navy kid to living with my stepdad, who was born in the house that he lived in, which was the house that he died in. Um, That's poetic. Yeah. You know, it's just his dad built the house with his own hands. He was incredibly proud of it and everything he had, and it was all attached to his home and the home base. Um, and he understood me differently than my mom did. I was never prissy or girly or wanting to go get my nails done with my mom. I see the kitty, I know. Um, So my stepdad had a garage that had more square footage than our house did. And my mom refused to go out there. So when my mom was being a pain in the ass, I would escape and I would hide in the garage. But my stepdad would never just let me sit. I had to work and do shit. So I learned how to do lots of things. Um, Pretty handy with power tools, which is nice. Um, yeah, so that was cool. Um, and then I lived in Jacksonville all through middle school, through high school. I went to college in Jacksonville. I met my first husband who of course was in the Navy. Um, and I had my son Tucker and that deescalated relatively quickly. Um, and then I did the single mom thing for a while until Tucker was almost four. And then I met Chris, my current husband. 
And Chris and I had a whirlwind hot off the romantic presses beginning to our relationship that culminated in Ella. Um, we didn't tell anybody that we were pregnant until I was 20 weeks pregnant because it, we had only been together for like four and a half months. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's like a week. We did not waste any time. No, you got pregnant within the week. <laughs> like, that's literally, like, I'm doing the math right now. Like, maybe, maybe it was five. I remember that, okay, so when Chris and I started dating, we met online, um, and we hashed out, like, we hashed out all the bullshit, because he was working and living on two opposite sides of town from where I was in Jacksonville, and Jacksonville, Florida is fucking huge. Yeah, Florida it's itself huge. is not a 10-hour drive. Um, I mean, you can be within the city limits of Jacksonville and drive for an hour and a half straight across. Yeah. With traffic. Um, so we didn't have a lot of in-person time. I was in school and I had Tucker and I was working. Please put the cat down. He doesn't like it when you pick him up like that. He does not like it when you hold him like a baby. Blow me some bubbles. This is like one of my favorite parts of podcasting with parents is um, <laughs> when their kids are just doing things that are awesome. Oh, yeah. Distracting. And, it, it, yeah. and they start being parents and like, stop it. No, seriously, stop it. And, it, and I just, like, get flashbacks from being a kid, and it cracks me up, man. It cracks me up. It's just part of life, dude. People get all bent out of shape sometimes about kids. And, like, especially moms get stressed about their kids when they're trying to operate their business. I'm like, you just got to let it be. Because kids feed off of the stress and emotions of their parents, especially mom. And that means they can smell your stress like fucking blood in the water, dude. I'm not even kidding. You just... <laughs> You just gotta let it go and roll with it. I am um, actually a pretty good um, judge of character based on voices and typing patterns because apparently I'm some sort of Rain Man type human, and I can always tell when a parent is frustrated with all hundred percent can tell. And it's oh yeah, like their whole entire mood changes, their whole entire like demeanor changes, and it's the like cr- the wrinkles in your face change. Yeah, like, like and your kids know you that. better than anybody, especially mom. They know you from the fucking inside out. Um, yeah, that's a weird one. And they, they, well, it's true. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, it's such a gross thing to say. Like, mom. I don't think I've ever said that about my mother before, and I never will. <laughs> now I'm not going to be able to look at her the same way. So thank you. <laughs> it's a different. All right, moving on. Um, so, yeah, Chris and I. Um, we met online and we talked for uh, like eight weeks on the phone before we actually had time to meet in person. And once we did meet in person, he moved into my house within like a week. Like he just brought a basket of his stuff and his cat and he still paid the lease on his apartment for another two months, but he stayed at my house, which was cool. But, um, okay. So you guys knew each other for like two, two months, you know, three yeah, months basically. Yeah. And so it's like that's pretty decent. I mean, it I was, was like, you know, it was just the the actually physical presence knowledge of each other. Um, physical, but there's a lot to be said about hashing out all the bullshit. Like, and it was almost like a competition between the two of us like as to who bad? have more bullshit, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I won that. I won that. By the way. It's a hands-down non-competition. It's a good way to, like, really just get to know somebody. I mean, 
baggage comparisons are easier. Uh, there was a whole like game show called Baggage. <laughs> it was. There's a whole dating game show called Baggage where people would just lay out their baggage and people would decide whether or not they wanted to be with you. And it's great. I mean, I enjoy this and I would watch it with the person I was dating and be like, let's play because um, I think this is good. Once we get all the baggage out of the way and I get to discover new things about you, it's like that you you enjoy tulips. It's not like you have some crazy childhood repression nightmare that I'm now fixing the pieces of. I'd much rather Right. Everything's up front and, right. you know, in your face and you deal with it or you don't. And you're afforded the ability to make that choice. Yeah, and um, I think that's where online relationships actually are better when it comes to the getting to know somebody because you don't have, to, you're not distracted. Oh, yeah. Dude, if I would have been physically in the same room as my husband when we first met, it would have taken us a hell of a lot longer to actually have those conversations um, because I could not keep my hands off of him. It's a family so. show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, um, but seriously, it is. It's a, you have, and also, also, you talk more. Yes. Talk You're more. forced to. Yeah. Real conversations. It's not just like, you know, when you're dating someone in, in the physical realm, it's kind of like, hey, what are you doing later? What time do you want to come to my house so we can do it? Versus, <laughs> and that's really all it comes down to. It's really all it is. You're right. You're right. And then, you know, when you're dating someone online or you're getting to know someone online, you can really get into the physical aspect or the, the mental aspects and the social aspects of who they are and how they, t and their speech patterns and, and who exactly they are as a person, you know, mentally, spiritually, and um, eventually when you guys meet physically, but... You, you skip all the you skip all the distractions the honeymoon phase I guess you skip the oh yeah phase. and so oh, yeah like you're in a honeymoon phase so I guess well and then I think that there's um for at least in our case there's some ongoing effects of all of that transparency in the beginning um we have never really had a knockdown drag out fight about anything well because you we've know had, each other's boundaries right we've had disagreements we've had things that we've talked about um. But, like, seriously, the nagging irritation in our life is, who's going to wash the dishes? Ugh. What are we going to eat for dinner? That's no, it. I see you can even, if you're dating online right now, stop what you're doing, hit up your partner, and establish those boundaries. <laughs> you not, if you don't want to do dishes, you be upfront about it. Because if you're not upfront about it, then you have to do the dishes. You're going to start a whole argument over dishes that could have just been avoided by buying plastic plates. Yeah, well, there was a whole other level of understanding that I got from Chris, too. So my first marriage uh, was when I started going to culinary school, um, and that was kind of the beginning of the end. My ex-husband hated the idea, number one, of higher education, number two, of me like being a woman. And a like yeah, yeah. His true colors really started popping out there mm. after a while. Uh, yeah, she's a pretty. <laughs> my daughter's rolling around in the grass with a cat <laughs> if um, watching the I'm just kidding yeah so when I met Chris he actually was working full time as a, as a heavy haul truck driver for Anheuser-Busch and he was also a kitchen manager at a really fucking popular restaurant in town so what we found out after we started peeling back the layers is that he and I worked in kitchen management positions at sister restaurants that shared a parking lot for a year, and we did not meet each other in that whole time. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he goes, I wonder why. I'm like, Chris, I would have hated you and you probably would have hated me. I was a man-eating bitch during that year of my life. <laughs> I was going through a divorce and I was really angry about it. And um, it, it was destined for us to meet and carry through our relationship the way that we did. We had so many opportunities before that to have our paths crossed. We had like 35 mutual friends on Facebook. Holy crap. I know. I know. It was crazy. Um, friends on Facebook. <laughs> okay, baby. <laughs> so um, he was working as a kitchen manager um, and he had experience being a chef and that was the job level and role that I was looking at going to in my career. Um, and my ex-husband was so fucking unsupportive that it was kind of beat into my mind, not only from him, but also from the other people that I come across throughout my education and my career, my schooling. Like I already had a kid. So all of my friends in culinary school could work jobs that I couldn't work because they had availability that I didn't have. And it was just like running into a brick wall one after the other, after the other. And then I met Chris and he goes, dude, we could totally work this out. We can work this out. Because he knew what the expectation of my life was going to be. Cool. Go chase it. Awesome. Did she find a frog? Is that what she said? A butterfly. Oh, that's dope. Go run around like you're a butterfly. I see a white one over there. It's like Disney princess nature back here. It's awesome. <laughs> no, that's cool, though. I like that your kids, like, find butterflies and stuff and not, like, um, like drawn on walls and eating Thai pods. So. You're okay, baby. I think what's interesting about what you're saying um, when it comes to you guys just being like, we'll work it out, it, it, it speaks volumes to the concept of expectations and partnerships. Um, and when you get married, if you don't establish those expectations, that somebody is going to end up salt oh yeah for sure you met your for first sure. husband in college I'm not quite sure what he thought was gonna happen no I met him before I started oh. going to college and I had my son like I was taking classes at the community college but I wasn't really taking it seriously right um and I met him and I had my kid and my son was born with a cleft lip and a cleft palate so we dealt with some shit right off the rip with him um and then I decided it was really time for me to go back to school the ironic thing is that I chose the field that I did because it was a portable career right. and my husband was military. So that meant that no matter where we got stationed, I could always find a job. That's and he, did, and he didn't see it that way. No, he just thought it was like, she's learning how to cook better. For <laughs> he was most offended by the fact that in a class of 20 people in culinary school, I would be one of maybe two or three girls. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I can see where that relationship's going. Um, yeah, it was it was awesome. It's still awesome. Um, <laughs> hmm. But no, Chris understood that. And there were so many things about my life and about my job and the expectations that were placed on me outside of our relationship. Right. That I didn't even have to explain them to him because he already knew. He knew. He like goes, that. it's fine, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. We'll work it out. And damn, we did work it out too. We worked it out for four years of me being a chef. Um, and then he was also my biggest supporter in helping me realize the kind of shit I was putting up with at the last restaurant I worked at. Um, and he encouraged me to feel empowered to make a decision in the minute if I needed to. And I did. Now, do so, you feel that with 
No, no, I know that you you did the 13 years of chefing thing, and you're now trans. Uh, you're, you're what's the word? You're moving into um a new business. So yeah. in those 13 years of chefing, what was the thing that really set you over the top? Um, I think that it was a handful of things that all popped up at one time. Um, first off, I fell into the trap of not setting goals for myself beyond the one big thing I wanted to accomplish. Even as I was getting closer to that goal, I didn't have the foresight to look beyond that and say, well, what could be after that goal? Um, so then I found myself, my goal was chef by 30, executive chef by 30. Um, and I kind of was behind the eight ball from some of my peers. I had two kids. Um, and I found what I thought was exactly the right situation, the right location, the right owners, the right menu. Like I would have opened that restaurant for myself. Um, but the owners continuously were not transparent about their business practices. Um, I continuously did not have their support in bringing on people that I felt like I needed to have on my staff to support me in a way that I needed. Um, their definition of support looked like one thing and it looked like a tall, burly dude. And my definition of support was a little bit different. Like I would be much more willing to take someone that didn't have as many skills if the personality match to my team was good because my team is what held the boat together. Right. Um, so it was just a different, a difference of opinion and priority. Um, but nevertheless, the expectation was the same. Um, and then it all kind of started deescalating and my very, like I gave them strict limits about what I was willing to do, how many hours a week I would work. Um, and I was paid really well. And that's how they kept me for as long as they did. Um, I was paid hourly and I was working like 65 or 70 hours a week. Right on. So my overtime was huge. It was amazing. I never made money like that in my life. And I kind of got addicted to that for a hot minute, but I didn't have any time and I always felt guilty and I was exhausted all the time when I was at home. And they just kept piling on the responsibilities. And I had a sous chef quit and he was running night shifts. And that meant immediately the expectation from the owner was, that I would be there to open the restaurant. I couldn't have anybody else open the restaurant because that was their rule. And I had to be there for the breakfast rush and I had to be there for the dinner rush, but I lived a fucking hour away. <laughs> like, that sounds inconvenient. It was incredibly inconvenient. And it very, very rapidly turned into me working six days a week open to close, which was not fucking sustainable at all. Not for any human, really. For anybody. And I was, I was getting exhausted. And during this time when I was so exhausted, they were, things were coming to light about, about the financials of the restaurant. Um, and I knew, because I had experience, I had been in this position before, I had all the training that led me up to that moment, to where my skill set was pretty honed in on food costing and using our back office systems and just the hard part of being a chef, the planning part. And as I, they started giving me more access to things, um, I started realizing just exactly how fucked up it all was. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> the computer says that it cost us $2.18 to, to sell a cheeseburger plate. But really, it cost us $6.85 to sell a cheeseburger plate. Right. 
wonder where all the money's going. And that was always the question. Where's my fucking money? We were always short at the end of the month. But I knew the systems I was using and I knew that they worked. Um, I knew that my management skills were on point and that I didn't have theft problems. I didn't, we just didn't have problems like what we're showing up on paper. So, Those are right. Problems. If I'm the go, one. Go play, baby. You can stay right where you're supposed to be. I don't think the kids are out there. So, in this, so, so obviously um, things got a little weird and shady and kind of unmanageable for you. Super it, fucking shady. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's so shady. Um, so shady. And it was a boys club. And they hired in a corporate chef immediately because I was, quote unquote, incapable of doing my job. No, yeah, um, you're the, thinking too hard. Um, right. Um, so the corporate chef came in, and pretty much they were looking for somebody who was just going to blindly follow and not ask questions, and that's not who I am at all, <laughs> especially when the pressure is right on my back every single day. Um, so I started bringing facts to the table, and I sat down in a management meeting with my owner, the operating manager, the corporate chef the front of house management team and their marketing manager. And I was literally me sitting on one side of a long table and all of these guys, all these men that I work with around me and my owner berating the fuck out of me for how dare I bring facts to the table. He's like, where the hell did you even come up with this? Why do you think you have the ability to pull this information? And I'm like, I got it right off our website. First it's of all, it's public. Um, <laughs> bro. So this conversation de-escalated very quickly in me packing up my shit and walking away. Well, yeah. Um, he called me a stupid fucking bitch. Nobody will ever call me a stupid fucking bitch in a business setting again. Ever. That's ever. pretty messed up. All so right, that so was how I left restaurants. That's a great... That's intense, yeah. I mean, I... It was intense. won the baggage war. That's intense <laughs> right there alone, you know, working for corruption and whatnot. Um, so... When you finally decided, okay, I'm not going to be a part of some shady restaurant deal. I'm not, like, in the mob. I'm going to move on. What was your next step? Um, my next step was going home and sleeping for about two weeks. Crying, I imagine, was a part of part of um, There was a huge amount of grief, for sure. Um, I mean, it, it all comes down to the expectations we have and the ones we put on ourselves. Um, and my expectation was that I would still be a chef at 30. Um, and I was like, it, there was just a whole bunch of fucked up mind shit going on at this time. Like I was a month out from my birthday when I was at this restaurant in the very beginning and things were really good. I had an article written about me that released in the Grand Rapids magazine and it released 15 days after I left. So that was really hard. That was so fucking hard, dude. Sorry, I don't um, mean to laugh at your pain, but that's no, it was irony that keeps me going. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, dude, it was. <laughs> to add further insult to injury, the food that we featured in that magazine was all 100% mine. Like it was a Jewish style diner in Delhi, but we brought in like soul food. I did matzah cover okay. or like matzah crusted fried chicken, and I made mac and cheese and shit. Cause we're in Michigan, and I'm from the south. And yeah. I like to make biscuits. So can you, like, cook food and, like, freeze it and send it? That's, that's, that's <laughs> an important thing we need to talk about right now. We can work it out. <laughs> like, can you make jam or something? Like, I yeah, would for sure. your labor without having to go to Michigan. 
so I, you know, I'm not trying to be picky or anything, but I do prefer pancakes. Can you make pancakes? Uh, pancakes are a staple in my life. Can you make them with the crusty edges on the top? Like, not crusty, but crunchy. How um, about I can just make you videos and teach you how to make your own perfectly crunchy pancakes? I'm not do it. What do you mean? Pancakes are a thing that exists in one beautiful, perfect moment, and then they're oh, gone. Oh, my God. Can you teach, can you just send me videos on how to make a mess in my own kitchen? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. We live that 800-square-foot, two-bedroom house lifestyle with us and our two kids and our two dogs, so we got messy on lock. So, like, do your kids cook with you? Sometimes. My patience for cooking with my children is, like, none. Non-existent. I can't imagine. Non-existent. Because it was my job for so long, and I switched so quickly into muscle memory and chef mode. Okay, so what's what's the secret to cleaning? I don't know. When you find out, will you tell me? Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, so they tell me that the secret, they tell me that the secret is to wash things as you go. That's and that just doesn't make sense to me. What if I need it again? The secret at the restaurant is to hire a dishwasher and feed him food scraps. Literally what I was thinking, like, how do I get one of those little brown kids to, to <laughs> do stuff for me? I had the most dedicated support staff. That was one compliment I always got from all the owners of restaurants that I worked in. They're like, I don't know how you get these kids to fucking rally the way you do, but damn. Like, first yeah. off, the mom voice is real. Number one. <laughs> Secondly, I feed them every day. I feed them every day. They know I'm going to feed them something. What? I don't know. Something. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, yep. so let's get into... um. So now you've cried, you've, you've boot and rallied, and your ego took a blow, but now you're getting ready to get back in. What happened Yeah. So I kind of rallied a little bit. I was in the middle of peak season, quote unquote, here in Michigan. So it was like September, and people still were having like barbecues and parties and shit. So my husband and I, both being chefs, we decided that I was going to start marketing for private chef services to where he and I could go in and do dinner parties or barbecues or what the fuck ever. And, and we did, we worked like five or six events together and that scooted us through like the name of the game for a while was what am I going to do right now to make some money to keep me from having to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> and every single time I needed to make X number of dollars and I would start putting out shit to do and I would make that money. And I'm like, ha ha another month. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that worked really well until just up to Christmas time. Um, and then everything really dies out around here. It's super fucking cold. Um, horribly cold up there. Yeah, it's wicked. So there wasn't a whole lot of catering and parties and private chef shit going on then. So I kind of decided that it was time to really pivot. Like I've been using some digital marketing resources on my own. Um, and of course I fell into a couple of MLMs cause I think everybody at some point ends up falling into an MLM. I literally just did a video and I said the same thing. <sighs> I literally said, there's a, there's a way that online, online work starts. It starts with MLM. Uh-huh. Then you transfer into freelance. Yeah. Then you find social media marketing. Yeah. Then you finally find a way to teach and to position yourself so that you don't have to do much. 
Yeah. So I crammed a couple of those steps into one period of time, I think is what ended up happening. Um, Coincidentally, I found an MLM product that is now actually like not the MLM branded product is not a crux of my business, but the technology of that company is now something that we use to serve our clients. So I fell into this MLM. I'm like, oh, great. This is going to be awesome. Rah, rah. Drink the Kool-Aid. It was not awesome. (laughs) Um, You know, it is what it is. But I decided at that point. So these were our beacons, uh, which is a one-way Bluetooth communication device that is a marketing tool for businesses. But the thing about the MLM is that they don't give a shit if a business can actually make it work. They just want to sell the products. Right. And for me, like I had just stepped out of a professional level career. I worked my ass off. I had a title. I was known throughout the community. Like I cannot come up to business owners that I know with only half the picture because that's not, you know, that's not what they want. I still have standards. Right. And they have expectations of my level of work. And that was something that people always commented on. They're like, oh, you could go. I'm like, yeah, I could walk in anywhere and get a job, but I don't want to. You can't go play. Oh, okay. Go play, baby. Um, so I decided at this point that it was really time for me to buckle down and start learning some digital marketing skills. And of course, I wanted to start with email because that made the most sense to me. Um, and I started joining entrepreneur groups. I found Arnie's group. I found the gorilla group. Um, I found women helping women entrepreneurs and the combined effect of all those groups kind of gave me a, an eye opening of the possibilities that exist. Um, and it allowed me to find the way that aligns with how I feel about business and how I want to serve clients. Um, so that was pretty fucking cool, but I had to figure out what the rest of the package was going to be. I mean, I have businesses that love the concept of using Bluetooth to market to their neighborhood, but I wasn't going to sell it to them until I knew how to turn that exposure into a lead generation because that's really what they needed. They needed either leads or they needed more traffic in their business that we could track. (laughs) So I actually was responding to a post in Arnie's group and I found myself working a three month digital marketing internship with a team that was running out of Orlando and they were using chatbots for real estate. So I did a deep dive three month internship on chatbot marketing and Facebook ads, which was pretty cool. Um, the guy that I did my internship with the deal and like, I was really upfront with him from the beginning. Um, so the deal we made was that I was going to be his intern and I would do his bitch work and I would do it very well but I needed a top down view of his business, not a bottom up view of his business Mm -hmm. or I wasn't going to do it. Um, and he totally agreed to that. He opened everything up for me. And so I was able to learn the hard skills that I needed to make the rest of my system work. I had a huge amount of training and resources through them for my internship, um, which was really awesome. And I got to, to live and experience how they were structuring their agency from the ground up. Um, so then I pretty much just duplicated because that's what we do. Um, yeah, that was cool. And then I had the Bluetooth beacons and then they have a 40 character message and a link. And the link that we put on that is a link to a growth tool into the chat vibe. Hmm. 
Right. Which is That's pretty awesome. cool. Yeah. So it's just, it adds not only the exposure to the neighborhood, but a huge layer of automation and pre-qualification or what the fuck ever you want to do with a chatbot. They are literally open-ended. Um, but it's yeah, a great tool for business. That is true. Chatbots so. are one of, I know I should be using a chatbot, but it's just one of those things that I know I, like LinkedIn, it's something I know I should be doing, but like, I don't plan Meh. on doing it soon. You know, nah, um, and it's, right. but they work. And I know, I know the efficacy of a trap. I know the efficacy of a digital beacon. Um, and I really do. I, I know that these things work and it's just like, you know, well, yeah, <laughs> but then we can have the conversation about like, because you poured it out on the grass, baby. You, I mean, you can try. I don't make a mess. She poured out all of her bubbles. Oh no! She was literally shaking the canister of bubbles out onto the ground, like, "Oh, it's all gone." Yeah, it is. <laughs> she poured it out. Oh um, my god, that's awesome! So the other thing I really like to talk about, because like, all right, most of my entrepreneurial friends run in digital circles and they have digital products, and like, a lot of times people want to try to cram their business model into how we serve our clients. And right. I have to tell them point blank. I'm like, this is not designed for you. Like, could it be in the future? Probably. But right now we serve local small brick and mortar businesses or we serve that locally owned. Yeah. Locally owned businesses that for example, have a fleet of vehicles that go out and serve their neighborhood or real estate agents in one area. Um, tangible businesses because that's just who it works for um, especially in this beginning round and for them it's a powerful neighborhood marketing system so huh I like that I really I, I do I, I genuinely genuinely enjoy the fact that number one you turn people away which I think is amazing but um, number two that you're you're focusing and niching down and you're serving the local business area, which is something that a lot of people aren't doing. And yes. it's a very neglected market. And I really, 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 really enjoy the fact that you are like, you're doing it, you know, and you're, you're, you're grabbing basically my area. Cause that's my secret to funding is, um, I, I hit people who are literally local, local. Yes. yes. Always local. Build your community. So the whole concept initially was how can we create a system of quote-unquote digital billboards, if you will, to allow businesses in one area to kind of share that space. So maybe wow. business A is on one side of town and business, meet, business B is on the other side of town, but if they're all using our network, we can rotate those messages and share their message all over town. Right on. Yeah, it's... um. It doesn't fit every brick and mortar business for sure. Cause I mean, our clients are funky. They're younger. Usually they're already digitally present. Um, and they really just want to find something that's like rocket fuel to pour on their business locally. Oh, so look at you. Yeah. Revolutionizing the entire planet. Look at you. I know. It's awesome. That um, is we awesome. also have a huge commitment to, so, I mean, it's a tech, it's a tech forward agency. We hired a developer. Um, we have our own platform. We're going to have an app for our clients well, I have an app. to access our services. Um, good job. 
So it's really tech heavy um, and it's an agency model. It's completely done for you business services. And what we've learned through our research and development is number one, there is not an agency like this right now, Uh-oh. which is extra fucking encouraging. Revolution. Number two, yeah. Number, <laughs> um, number two, there are very few women that are visually present in businesses like this, in this proximity marketing niche. Um, now, if you look at the MLM side, as you can imagine, it's riddled with women leadership. But, yeah, MLM is like a woman's work. It's like that kid. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. She yeah. She talking about childbirth. She's talking about MLMs. Whew. Dude, I had somebody this morning. I felt bad because this girl caught me before coffee, dude. And I was some kind of asshole when she messaged me this morning. You know what? No, I don't even feel bad. She deserved it. But she friend requested me like a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we had a couple of people in common. And I'm like, whatever. Because we have a product for MLM. It was kind of one of our flagship things, like a chatbot for MLM people. I know, he is the cutest kitty ever. So I was kind of hoping that maybe she found me because she wanted some, like, digital marketing services that we designed for MLM. But she hit me this morning with the dreaded cold message that, hey, I know you don't know me, but we have a mutual friend on Facebook. Do you want to buy my shit? Like, girl, girl, no. Do you want to talk about, first, should we talk about how shitty your product is? Or second, should we talk about how shitty your marketing practices are? You pick. Now, here's the thing. I am not against the cold emailing. I actually have made quite a name for myself in the cold cold emailing world because I know what I'm doing. The thing is about cold messaging and cold emailing, and I will give you one of my favorite tips and tricks, is the person has to be looking to either hire you or buy your stuff. Right. They're accepting. They are at that moment currently accepting and they, they are in the mindset that they, so you go like, let's say you want to land a client and this is just tips for tri- tips of the trade. So you're lucky. I'm not going to invoice you for this ones guys, but um, you go on a job board. You're a content creator. You want to create content for people. You look for people, startups who have a budget for that. You send them a cold email. They are already looking for you. God, it's like pulling teeth with some people, I tell you. I know, but definitely my Facebook Messenger on my personal page is not the place. Because that's not what people are looking for. And that's why people get so annoyed. Mm -hmm. It's just simple brain science. You know what? I agree with you, though. Cold emailing, I feel like, at at this stage of the digital game, is so fucking different. Yeah. You send it to the email where people are looking for that. If right. someone is in the digital marketing realm, all their whole day is bombarded with offers. And it's not just offers in their inbox. It's on their timeline. It's Oh, my God, dude. Phone. It's, it's like fucking everywhere. Everywhere. So when they get one, you're going to get popped off on it. And it's not because the person's an asshole. And it's not because you're an asshole. It's because you have done the worst thing you could. And it just it's, it's a bad thing to do. I have to remind myself and some of the members of our team sometimes, uh, we have um, three interns, four interns, actually, um, and all of them are working on their own ventures while we work together on this agency model, which is pretty cool. P.S. I could have a whole other interview about interns and how we got them and how we nurture them and how we keep them because it's awesome. Um, But they're all working on their own shit. And they get so discouraged because they're like, the only thing I see in my timeline 
or people who are just like me. I'm like, well, those are the people that you're interacting with. Those are your clients. <laughs> those are not your clients. Like your client's timeline does not look like your timeline. Not at on all. Facebook. It's completely different. Your client's timeline is actually pretty cool compared to clean and different and shit and not riddled with everybody that you know who's developing a product because we're entrepreneurs that's what we do that's our circle that's what we all do yes and that like, is so if you can I'm remove yourself facebook oh yeah for sure um come on back honey i'm really not i'm not i've, I've never bragged about my facebook conversion capabilities i genuinely the amount of effort that you put into facebook conversion is not worth it to me like people who put who, who convert on Facebook are literally that's all they're doing. They are busting their ass on Facebook, and I am just not the one. I would rather send out sixty-five cold emails, get like thirty back, narrow that down to fifteen calls, and get like six customers after that. Because to me, I send the email, balls in their court, they send it back, boom, three emails and a phone call later, I'm working. Facebook oh, for like, sure. Do all kinds of shit. You got to do video. You got to do audio. You got to do lead magnet and webinars and run ads. And I'm like, oh, oh God, it's so fucking annoying, dude. I don't it's, that. it's just not my the worst. Literally, the reason that we brought on interns is because neither me or my business partner want to fuck with running our own Facebook page. Exactly. Neither of us do. So we're going to train up a handful of interns and see who sticks. Yep. Who, who really liked it. Send them, send them one that doesn't. Send them to me. <laughs> I, like the, I like the broken ones. You, you know? like the broken ones? <laughs> I love broken little toys. Oh, like my <laughs> broken little toy. I love them. Yeah. I, them. I like them like one degree of broken, where they're only just a little bit jaded, but they're not totally shattered. Oh, no. I like the light to fall from between their, <laughs> from behind their eyes. They're not overly ambitious and annoying. I, because I, we've all been there. We've all been in an industry that we loved, and we were overly ambitious and annoying. And then one day it clicks with you. You're like, oh my God. How about let's talk about for just a second how now that I'm in a different circle and entrepreneurial groups and I'll go, I'll have an interaction with somebody like on, an, on a, a post on Facebook or whatever. I'll be like, yeah, send me a message and I'll pop up Facebook Messenger and I will see that almost a year ago I sent them a total fucking asshole cold message on Facebook. That's and that's the very first thing I have to talk about. I'm like, dude bro. I'm sorry. I didn't know any better. Yeah. I, 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 it'll be like, send me a message and I'll be like, okay. <laughs> and then two weeks uh, later, they'll be like, Hey, Ashley, haven't heard from you. And I'm like, yep, you're right. Mark is red. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. Not that interested. Nine times out of 10, like if I, if someone is in my like DMs, quote unquote, they're literally like a friend of mine, like, like Jessica, like both the Jessica's, I don't know if you know the Jessica's, but the Jessicas and all that stuff, all my break room friends, they're in my DMs because we're not working. We're laughing. We're sending each other pictures and we're mocking you. Slowly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like people. Um, maybe sure. I mean, I totally usually try to swing those cold MLM messages. So this was my game plan, right? I'm like, I want to have something that I could shove back down their throats when they cold message me. So that's why we developed the uh, direct sales chatbot. Like, I see you have really fucking shitty marketing practices. Do you want to buy my package? <laughs> it's what you got to do. Hey, listen, it's what you got to do. Like, I know. I've done it to people. I do it all the time. Like, what? Fucking terrible. I made this literally just fucking for you. 
please take yeah, it listen, or leave me alone. If you're going to pitch me, I'm going to pitch you. It's just the way it's going to work. And if you <laughs> say, no, thanks, I'm not interested, well, guess what? Then clearly <laughs> you are not being receptive because what I'm doing is the same thing you're doing. And so that's right. the way I handle it, too. Is I, I'm a, oh, I'm yeah. a pitcher myself. Um, oh, it's great. The conversation, number two, I'm done with it. But let's <laughs> get back to, before we wrap this up, let's get to um, what did I want to talk about also? Oh, yes, you have a Facebook group. That's what I oh yeah, I free. I I have adopted this Facebook group. It was actually Tanya's Facebook group, my business partner. Um, and as we've grown and developed our brand, we've done some aligning of like my page and her group and this that and just kind of smushed everything all together. Um, so business owner marketing strategies is the name of our Facebook group. Um, it is slowly but surely growing. Uh, but the quality of people in that group was pretty top-notch. So that's pretty fucking cool. Um, we do a live video interview with someone different every week. And our only qualification is that that person has to have some way to tie their thing back to how it could help entrepreneurs or startups. So we've gotten everything from actual hard marketing training and tips and tricks to mindset stuff to financial planning. Um, we run the gamut pretty much. So. Right, and so where was the Facebook group formed? Like, how did that come about? Uh, it was Tanya's baby. She started that Facebook group before we even knew of each other. Um, but it's kind of indicative of the rest of Tanya and I's story together to where once we decided we were going to start working together, every fucking thing just lined up and made sense. And we just kind of did it. We just walked the path of least resistance and made a business. So... Nice. Yeah. Nice. Sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes it really fucking doesn't. But I encourage people as they run into things that might feel like walls that are way too big for them to climb or break down. Maybe you just kind of stop for a second and take a step back and see if it's actually the universe telling you fucking no. Because sometimes that happens. It does happen. You just have to be receptive to the no. Carrie, it Any- is wonderful. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you saying? No, you're good. Uh, I mean, we reflect that whole idea in our life, too. Like, anytime Chris and I are making a choice or a move, if there's any kind of resistance at all, we stop. And it served us really well. So, that's my my zen tip for the end of the interview. Yeah, there it goes. Because I always ask one, so you did it already. It has been wonderful, but I am starving. <laughs> yeah, girl. So hungry. And I've been talking since like 11 o'clock and it's like two now. And I need a nap. So it has been wonderful. Um, as always, guys, my name is Ashley Sanders. You can always find me on Facebook. Uh, who's this network? Who's this uh, with a question mark after the, this? Google Play, soon to be iTunes. I think Stitcher probably too still. Um, also, you can find me on Instagram at who's this underscore network and who's this underscore live. Carrie, where can they find you? You can find us on Facebook, Aurora Beacons. Uh, so facebook.com slash Aurora Beacons. Instagram is at Aurora underscore Beacons. And our group, Business Owner Marketing Strategies on Facebook. There you have it. You heard it here, folks. Carrie, you have been a wonderful guest and a great mom and a fantastic human being. And I know as I continue to watch your story unfold, I will be a part of it somehow. Just not sure where. Remember, everybody. (laughs) Remember, everybody.
you can always be on the show too. You just got to contact me at all the places I said before. You are all spectacular people. You guys stay classy. I'll keep it kind of trashy and together. We'll conquer the globe. You're outnumbered. You're outnumbered.